0: From the campus at Northern State University, this is an EdTech podcast for South Dakota teachers. It's great to be back with you today. We're going to talk today about visible learning. Yes, visible learning. Making it visible so you can see it. That's the idea with visible learning anyway. So this is based on some work by John Hattie. And he says that intervention, and any intervention, can make a difference in student learning. So when a teacher makes a claim that what they are doing has a positive outcome, they're probably right. But this claim doesn't say very much, because almost anything you do in the classroom will have a positive outcome. It will have a good learning effect. And almost every student improves no matter what you try in the classroom. So in Visible Learning, and there's also a book called Visible Learning for Teachers that John Hattie created, he talks about how what we should really look for is making an intervention that is above average in in, in its effectiveness. Not just teaching lessons and coming up with ideas that are effective, but ones that are above average according to his analysis in their effectiveness. So he sets the bar higher, so to speak. And he says that the average gain achieved by a learning intervention is about .40. That's an effect size and his measurement. Therefore, only those teaching and learning practices that have shown in studies to gain better than this .40 effect size measurement are worthy to be recommended as teaching practices. And so what he did was he took a look at different meta-analyses or groups of analyses of teaching and learning interventions to determine what really reaches above and beyond this 0.40 effect size. And so that's what we have in the visible learning series. And I wanted to highlight this, of course, in this podcast, which I am doing right at this moment. So it's great to be able to do this because it talks about real effect sizes, real studies and research studies that have shown certain teaching practices to work well. So what are some of these teaching and learning practices that really do have an above-average impact on student learning? Well, there are actually a lot, and we can't cover them all in this episode. But here are some of the categories, and uh, we'll discuss what some of these categories mean that Hattie gives in his book, Visible Learning for Teachers, as he talks about how we can make visible learning in our classroom and how we can be the most effective teachers possible. So here are the areas. So these visible learning effects come in different categories. The first one is inspired and passionate teaching. And so that's one of the areas that really has an effect on student learning is to have inspired and passionate teaching among teachers in the school. And so he's talking about some of these elements of inspired and passionate teaching, including all adults in the school recognize that there is variation among teachers in their impact on student learning and achievement, and they all place high value on ha- having major positive effects on all students. So they're passionate about their teaching. Also, there's professional development involved that enhances teachers' deeper understandings of their subjects and helps them to know how to provide effective feedback and to teach effectively. So that's inspired and passionate teaching, the first section. Next is planning. And with planning, the school has methods for recording and making available data about student learning. And that data is then used as a part of the school culture to help influence student learning overall and to help improve student learning. And let's see, teachers within the school jointly plan series of lessons with learning intentions and success criteria related to worthwhile curricular specifications. Teachers understand the attitudes and dispositions that students bring to the lesson. Teachers are thoroughly familiar with the curriculum. Teachers talk with each other about the impact of their teaching and based on evidence of students' progress. All of this planning, though, should be based on recording of data about students and the availability of that data for teachers to be able to share this information. So planning is another area in this framework of visible learning. And starting the lesson is the third one. Starting the lesson talking about the climate of the class where it's okay for students to say, I do not know or I need help, Dialogue is supported rather than monologue. Or the classrooms are dominated more by student than teacher questions. Teachers and students use the power of peers to positively progress learning. In each class and across the school, labeling of students is rare. Students have high expectations relative to their current learning for themselves. So climate, starting a lesson has to do a lot with setting up the class, having a climate where the lesson can be effective in learning. What I really want to talk about though in this podcast is the during the lesson suggestions about the nuts and bolts of teaching and learning. This is where the t- the rubber hits the road so to speak in the quality of lessons that are presented to students. And so there are two areas of during the lesson that Hattie mentions in his book Visible Learning for Teachers. During the lesson learning. And it talks about how teachers first must have an understanding of how learning involves moving forward through various levels, capabilities, capacities, catalysts, and competencies. So teachers have to understand that learning is a progression through different capabilities, capacities, and so forth. Teachers understand how learning is based on students needing multiple learning strategies to achieve surface and deep understandings. And in a previous podcast, we spoke about Multiple intelligences and presenting things in different ways, and there is good evidence that this works well to present the same type of lesson but in different media formats for different students or for the whole class. The next one is that teachers provide differentiation to ensure that learning is meaningfully and effect- efficiently directed to all students gaining the intentions of the lessons. Teachers are able to teach multiple ways of knowing and multiple ways of interacting and provide multiple opportunities for practice. Again, we're going back to the idea of multiple ways of doing things, multiple ways of viewing or practicing things, or learning. Teachers use the principles from backward design, moving from the outcomes back to the learning intentions, then to the activities and resources needed to attain the success criteria. So again, the focus here is that teachers have an objective and they try to do an intervention or a lesson that meets that objective. So they move from that objective back to what will meet that object- objective. So that has an above-average effect as well. All students are taught how to practice deliberately and how to concentrate. And processes are in place for teachers to see learning through the eyes of students. So those are the during-the-lesson section during the lesson learning. Now there's another section um, during the lesson feedback that Hattie provides as well in his book and this feedback is a very important part of learning giving proper feedback and appropriate feedback and clear feedback and so here are some of the elements under during the lesson feedback teachers are aware of the importance of praise but do not mix praise with feedback information Interesting. There's a difference there, right? Between feedback information and praise. So feedback information tells how the student did on whatever task they were supposed to do. But praise says something like just good job. And oftentimes praise ends up being empty. Teachers provide feedback appropriate to the point at which students are in their learning and seek evidence that this feedback is appropriately received. So not only do good teachers give feedback at the right time but they also find out if that feedback was received by the student. If the student understood the feedback they were receiving. Teachers use multiple assessment methods to provide rapid formative interpretations to students and to make adjustments to their teaching to maximize learning. Now this is key to the whole approach to visible learning. Is that teachers take the time to measure learning, try an intervention out, then measure the results, and adjust based on the measurements. It's a data-based sort of action research approach to learning, and this is really key to being effective as a teacher, is to be able to record some data about your students and make those interventions that will really help them to learn. And then finally some areas. Teachers uh, know that students prefer to have more progress than corrective feedback. Know that when students have more challenging targets, this leads to greater receptivity of feedback. Um, Deliberately teach students how to ask for and understand and use the feedback provided. So actually teaching students about what, what they should do when they receive feedback from you is interesting, is a good point. And then teachers recognize the value of peer feedback and deliberately teach peers to give other students appropriate feedback. Imagine the learning that can happen when students actually have to critique a peer and give their own feedback to that peer and help them to succeed. So that's the during the lesson feedback section. And again, these are uh, John Hattie, visible learning. These are the elements that really make the difference for students to become successful and for student learning. The end of the lesson. So with the end of the lesson, teachers provide evidence that all students feel as though they've been invited into their class to learn effectively. So that's a climate idea. Teachers collect evidence of the student experience in their classes about their success as change agents, about their levels of inspiration, and about sharing their passion with students. So they collect evidence of these things. Teachers critique the learnings, intentions, and success criteria and have evidence that students attain that criteria. And so there are a bunch of things that can be done at the end of a lesson. And then finally, the last one is mind frames. Another good name for this category is just the way that we think about teaching and learning as an institution. And so it says, the teachers and school leaders believe that their fundamental task is to evaluate the effect of their teaching on students' learning and achievement. That's very different, you know, than uh, even some of my classes. I don't sometimes feel like I'm somebody who should evaluate all the time every little effect that I have on student learning and achievement, but that's what he says will make a difference. In this school, teachers and school leaders believe that success and failure in student learning is about what they, as teachers or leaders, did or did not do. And let's see another one. In this school, the teachers want to talk more about the learning than the teaching. There's a distinction there, isn't there? We want to talk more about how making sure that students actually learned rather than what we taught them. Teachers should engage in dialogue, not monologue. They should see assessment as feedback about their impact and believe that it is their role to develop positive relationships in classrooms and inform all about the language of learning. So interesting mind frames, but it's, it's a change, isn't it? It's a change from thinking that I am a teacher to I am somebody who helps people to learn. And I use data to make sure that they are learning. And I make sure that I try new things. And when I do try new things, I measure student learning and determine whether the new thing that I'm trying is actually helping students to learn. Well, it's a very interesting book and I do recommend it, Visible Learning for Teachers by John Hattie. And it's important though to just think about some of these things, you know, can we can we become more of a learning institution rather than a teaching institution? Can we be more focused on whether some intervention that we implemented is working based on data? It's great to use this with technology as well because any technological implementation that you have, you know, there's probably uh, you should probably have a pretty good reason why you're implementing some technology in the classroom. So with this type of approach, you can measure that. You can take a measurement and see if that implementation worked well. And in fact, a lot of Hattie's studies of computer-based learning did have positive learning effects with students. But not all of them had the above-average effects that he was looking for. But overall, I think the main message is to get into the mindset of actually measuring student learning and actually determining whether an implementation that you have implemented in your classroom, a lesson, uh, an idea, a plan, whatever you did in your classroom is actually working based on the data that you can collect from your students. And then testing out something else and measuring that. And as you measure and test you'll become better and better at figuring out what really works for that group of students. Well. I think that's about it for today, so thank you for listening. We'll see you next week.